Before we dive into Colossians 3, I want to ask you to go to eaglemont.info at some point later today and click on the Ministry Goals button where you'll see our 2021 Eaglemont Ministry Goals. And under the serving part of our mission statement is the simple goal of engaging in one act of service each month. In line with this, today I'm putting this request forward to our church family that in the next week, you make contact with someone uh, from uh, the Eaglemont family whom you haven't seen or talked to for the last several months. Touch base uh, with them simply to connect and catch up a little bit. And maybe there's something you can pray for either on the phone or in the days and weeks ahead. This is a very doable and meaningful act of service within the context of our church family. And so I'm asking, could you please do this? It'll make a positive difference for someone in our church family. Today's message in our Colossians series is Relationships Transformed. How would you respond to, that was the junior high part of Marlowe coming out. I'm gonna tell a story that fits that. But anyway, um, how would you answer the question, why is it? that relationships can be so challenging sometimes. Well, I can hear someone say, I think, well, that's simple. It's because people don't realize that my way is the best way. Well, with that attitude, we better pray. So please join me. Holy Spirit, please bring to light whatever it is you want us to see from your word today is our humble prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This Stronger 2-7 series, as we've said, is about or is rooted in what Colossians 2-7 says, that we will grow stronger in our walk with Jesus as we build everything about our lives on Him, uh, including our relationships, as we'll talk about today. As a matter of fact, relationships are one of the, one of the best testing grounds for spiritual maturity because uh, imperfect people is who we are. Imper uh, imperfect people is, uh, are, are who we live with, uh, who we work with, uh, who, who we drive behind in the passing lane. And, and many of you know that is a spiritual uh, growth opportunity for sure. A vibrant relationship with God will help us live in healthy relationships with others, and that's God's plan. Some of you have experienced uh, deep, deep pain in relationships. And today, you, you need to know that God's grace is there for you. His forgiveness and his healing are there for you, um, along with his wisdom and his, his help for a healthy future in relationships. Hold on to that, that's true. So let's read our passage today uh, from Colossians 3, starting at verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you one. We'll put one in the mail for you or deliver it to your home, home if you're in the Beaumont area. Uh, please let us know. Colossians 3, 18 through to chapter 4, verse 1. Reading from the New Living Translation says, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. 
Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. He's talking to Christians, of course. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master, capital M, you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master, capital M, in heaven. The Apostle Paul, who went from aggressively persecuting Christians to becoming a passionate Christ follower and church leader and missionary himself, is writing this letter under God's direction to the local church, the local group of believers in the city of Colossae, uh, which was a small town in the Roman province of Asia. It includes part of modern-day Turkey. And he speaks uh, to three types of relationships that were a part of his culture at that time. Paul concludes this letter with some, uh, some final comments that Harvey will uh, teach from next Sunday. But here in this passage, Paul writes something very similar to what he wrote also in his Ephesians letter. Uh, and Pastor Joel spoke on that from, uh, from uh, the Ephesians passage back in our series that we did through that New Testament letter back in March of this year. Paul stresses with the Colossian believers that their their new way of living in Christ causes all of their relationships to transcend the the ethnic and social boundaries of the time. He emphasizes something extremely important in chapter 3 verse 11 that Pastor Jaden read uh, in her good message last Sunday, the basic and clear fundamental message that we're all equal in God's eyes, whether Jew or Greek or male or female, slave or free, all equal, completely equal in God's eyes. And Paul's uh, writings throughout the New Testament repeatedly underline this truth. Again, that, that in Christ, everyone is equal. That's, that's God's very clear perspective. That's why racism is so wrong because it, uh, it, it is diametrically opposed to God's heart for his uh, human creation. So Paul addresses uh, various relationships, as we've said here in this passage, and he starts with this. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. The first century uh, Roman household was highly authoritarian, um, where the male patriarch held power over his wife, children, and slaves in a, in a domineering and, and controlling way. And, and Paul says this should not be the case in family life and certainly not in a Christian family. Now, some people chafe at the phrase, uh, submit to your husbands. But you need to know that this biblical term applied, uh, this this word, submit, applied in a God-honoring way is not contradictory at all to the Bible's teaching about men and women being completely equal. You see, God is the designer of leadership structure in every arena of life, including family. But, But that has nothing to do with things like value and worth of a person, nor does it destroy a healthy collaborative approach to, uh, to decision-making in a godly marriage. The problem is with this 
you know, with how this submit directive has been uh, misused and misapplied. And as often um, happens, instead of a balanced correction of a misapplied idea, whatever it is, the pendulum often swings too far the other way on things. So don't let how this biblical directive has been sometimes misused uh, as a as a weapon by uh, prideful or, or power-hungry men, don't let that determine how you view it. It does not mean dominance. Uh, it's not, you obey what I say. It's not, I make all the decisions. Biblical marriage is a partnership, not a dictatorship, to quote the theologian Pastor Joel uh, from his March 29th message in Ephesians. Wives, are called to submit within a God-honoring structure um, of spiritual leadership, not to a domineering attitude of their husband, but to a spiritual leader in the home who, who loves her sacrificially. And husbands, God commands us to love our wives and not treat them harshly. Are you hearing that? Easy to say, I love you. And God adds these words describing the importance of what that love really looks like. It's, uh, as a start, at least, it's don't treat them harshly. And of course, it goes beyond that, as we'll see. But, but husbands, if you, if you need to ask forgiveness from your wife and from God, I encourage you to do that and then, and then commit to a new pattern of conduct. I've had to ask forgiveness for my wife with the, with the words I've spoken to her at least once in our 33 years of marriage, actually more than that. We can't be, we can't let pride hold us back from being truly sorry and, and repentant. In other words, willing to turn away from the conduct that is detrimental to the relationship in marriage and, and to our relationship with God, actually. The Greek word here for love, husbands love your wives, is the word agape. And many of you know, some of you may not, but it's a Greek word that would, uh, would not have been used in a marriage where God was not the center. It's a word uh, used to describe God's love for us. And that's, that's amazing. That's huge. It's, it's unconditional. It's never-ending. It's unchanging. And most definitely, it's sacrificial. Husbands, do, do you love your wives in a sacrificial way? It's what we're called to do if we're following Christ. Loving your wife in the way God calls you to means placing her well-being above your own, her interests above your own. I hear a husband that might say, well, you don't understand. It's, it's hard in my marriage right now. Okay. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Maybe that's yours. It may be hard, but God still says, agape love your wife. That same man may say, well, again, you don't understand, Marlo. It's, it's really hard. I actually think my wife hates me. Hmm. Jesus said, love your enemies. So go and love your wife. Agape love your wife. In Ephesians 5, uh, that passage that we've referred to already this morning, Paul is even more clear. He says, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Don't, don't fly over that quickly. Gave. He, he gave his all. He gave his life. He laid down his life for the church. That's how we are as husbands to love our brides. 
place your wife's interests ahead of your own in a sacrificial way. That's, that's agape love. The emotion may fade, the times of, of turbulence in marriage will come, but this kind of love is a commitment that holds strong and the, that honors God. And, and, and submitting comes easily when someone is loved that way. It's a beautiful cycle that God has set into motion. In his March message, Pastor Joel gave a good action step for married couples that I want to repeat. He said, husbands, do this. Ask your wife. What can I do that will make you feel loved and cherished? Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's what do I need to stop doing so that you feel loved and cherished? And wives, ask your husband this, uh, your husband's this. What can I do to communicate that I respect you? Or again, what do I need to stop doing to show that I respect you? There's some fodder for some uh, uh, great discussion on your, your next date night at your own dining room table with candlelight after the kids are in bed. Is what it is these days. Then, instructions for kids and teens. It says in uh, verse 20, Children, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. As, as a kid, I still remember at times, a, a few times, hearing this. Uh, either my, At that time, it was my dad preaching, or maybe it was around the family Bible reading time after supper that we had. Uh, but I remember uh, a few times there, were, there was something within me that just, just didn't like hearing that. Parents obey, or children obey your parents. I, I didn't like hearing that. And, you, well, you guessed it. I have one of those two and still do. A sin nature. That's, that's what's reacting, right? Kids... Obey your parents when they tell you things like, don't play with matches. Yeah, um, as a young kid, and I won't tell you how young because I was old enough to know better, I was in my basement bedroom, which at the time was the corner of a, a wide open, unfinished basement. A big carpet thrown down and a desk and chair and dresser bed, of course, and, and, a, and, a, and a garbage bag. Well. Somehow on a particular day, I, I sat at my desk with matches in my hand. And my garbage can was actually one of those old Safeway brown paper bags that have, have made a comeback, actually. Uh, you probably already know this, this isn't going to end well. Well, I, I, I thought that a little bit of paper and a Kleenex or two in that brown paper bag would be easy to extinguish, easy to blow out quickly if I lit it. So I lit it. Oh man, freaking out. I ran upstairs panicking. I, I left it burning as I ran up to the kitchen where my mom happened to be. Um, and I tried very casually to grab a glass of water, tried to be casual. Mom was certainly suspicious as I bolted back downstairs and uh, I, I dumped the water on that small fire that uh, was almost perfect for marshmallows at, at that time. But it didn't go out. Uh, smoke started filling the basement, and I so I quickly grabbed that paper bag and ran up the stairs out to the backyard, and I I, I applied the ministry of the water hose uh, to that garbage bag. Not a good day for Marlo as a boy. Kids, I made a very bad decision uh, that day, and so obey your parents. When they give you these little helpful directives based on the life experience they have. Just saying. But listen to them. Obey, please, obey your parents 
When they give you warnings about how important your choices are. When they encourage you to, to, to follow after God and follow his word. Or when they, when they encourage you to be, be careful about the choices you make in friends that you, you spend a lot of time with. Something else here. Kids, teens, if you find yourself fighting against your parents' input uh, who, who love you, more than anybody in this world, of course, except for God. But if you find yourself fighting back against their input, be careful because patterns of rebellion, what the Bible calls rebellion, can be developing, can develop more easily, actually, than, than, than you think in your heart. And there's a, a spiritual reality here because obeying your parents is a way to cultivate a heart of, of submission a heart of submission even to God and his loving authority over your life. Remember verse 20, obedience to your parents pleases the Lord because he's, he's the one who established structures of parental authority for your protection, for your good. It's a gift from God, actually. We need to move on. Verse 21, fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Okay, now some commentators actually think that this directive includes both parents. Um, pragmatically, of course, it, it does, but, but fathers are specifically mentioned here maybe because it's not unusual for dads to be more aggravating. I don't know. Uh, or at least maybe not always, but often more uh, uh, tougher on their kids. Um, I mean, I, I, I claim that I was, as a, as a younger father, was just trying to find the, the fine line between aggravating and teasing. I mean, it's a very, very fine line there. Um, now, this doesn't mean that we don't discipline our children, but we shouldn't consider aggravating to be a spiritual gift, right? A New International Version puts it this way, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. The word embitter in the Greek speaks of, of an irritation uh, or even a nagging, actually. And none of us want our children to have thoughts like, I'll never get it right, or, or, or all dad does is criticize, or I'll never do enough to earn mom's love. As parents, we, just, we never want to give uh, any reason for our children to say things like that. Pastor John Newton said something sad over 200 years ago when he lived, and it's still sad today. I came across this in my study for this message, and, and it just it broke my heart. Uh, he said, I know my father loved me, but he did not seem to wish me to see it. Wow, I, I don't get that. I, I didn't get the fathering thing uh, completely right, of course, but, but I don't get that. I do not get that. Christian fathers should be sure that their children are as confident of their love as they are of their authority, or even more so. Need to move on. The next segment is, has to do with slaves and masters. The first century Roman household included slaves or servants. And so Paul included them in this discussion. Incidentally, both were equal, an equal part of the Christian community, slaves and masters. Slavery in biblical times was very different from what we, uh, most of us, know of, of slavery today. Uh, people, people were not slaves because of their uh, nationality, their ethnicity, their skin color. No, it was, it was uh, based more on economics. People 
actually sold themselves as slaves to provide for their family. Many Bible commentators talk about how Paul could not uh, abolish slavery as it was so entrenched in Roman culture, but that he laid out principles which would dismantle the whole system eventually. And, and so we must not think that the New Testament uh, condones slavery at all by these references to it. Paul wrote a New Testament letter to a Christian man named Philemon near the end of the New Testament, a small letter. Uh, Philemon had a runaway slave named Onesimus, and, and Paul told Philemon to receive Onesimus back, not as a slave, but as a beloved brother in verse 16 of that short, of that one, uh, uh, one chapter letter. Uh, it's quite likely that they both, Philemon and Onesimus, were both a part of the Colossian uh, church family, actually, as, as brothers in Christ. And again, completely equal in God's eyes. So how they treated one another mattered to Jesus. And Paul stresses that. Theologian F.F. F. Bruce talks about Paul's New Testament letter of Philemon and the influence it had uh, on diminishing slavery. And he writes this, what this letter does is bring us into an atmosphere in which the institution of slavery could only wilt and die. William Webb, uh, author, makes this comment. He says, the abolition of slavery and its many related injustices should be a passionate value of every modern Christian. And obviously, he's, he's absolutely right. And some of you are involved in some uh, activities in that regard. And, and, and nowadays, uh, the brutal, uh, just terrible uh, sex trade and, and, and the slavery that uh, that, that whole uh, awful, awful thing uh, keeps, keeps people in. Breaks God's heart. Webb goes on to say that this idea that we're all equal in God's eyes uh, applied today means that whether we are bosses or employees, showing respect and honor should characterize our interactions with one another. And, and no one, uh, no one can, under God, look down on anyone else or in any way abuse anyone else. God requires Christian employees, uh, sorry, Christian employers to be uh, fair and not abuse their power or their role of authority. And they must not demand what is uh, uh, unrealistic or unreasonable uh, or unjust in, in the pursuit of the bottom line. God speaks to bosses and says, you need to remember that you have a master in heaven who cares about character and cares a lot about how you treat others that work for you. And so find ways to honor your employees is the heart of what's being said here. And likewise, God calls the Christian employee to work as if they were serving Jesus because they actually are, if they're a Christ follower. And so find ways then, a Christian employee, to honor your boss or supervisor. And so the overarching principle and the overarching point in this section of Colossians is not, um, or rather is, is, that, is that no relationship, no relationship within our human experience is to remain untouched by the grace-filled and liberating rule and love of Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. No relationship within our human experience is to remain untouched by the grace-filled 
and liberating rule and love of Jesus Christ. And so in application today, which of the relationships that we've talked about here and that Paul addresses here need the most attention in your life? Need some tweaking or some redirection, some corrective redirection as God leads you and his word leads you. How are you sensing the Holy Spirit wants you to respond to this today? Please, please listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit and obey. Allow your, every one of your relationships to continue to be shaped and formed and created into something beautiful and God-honoring and inspiring to others. And God will help you do that. He's helping me do that. I, I want that for every relationship in my own life. There might be some of you who are watching this and you know you're not a Christian. You're not, you've not made that choice to follow Christ and Jesus is there to receive you today. He died for you. He loves you so much. He died for you. That's how bad our sin is. It's an affront to a holy God and God's judgment, justifiable just judgment for sin was put on Christ when he died on the cross and then he rose from the dead miraculously by God's power to show us he, that he indeed has total power over our lives, over sin, over death, which is separation from God. And he did not want you, does not want you to be separated from him eternally. You can turn the other direction today. Turn from your old life and turn from your sin and say, God, here I am. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. If that's your desire, you can pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son. And Jesus, thank you so much for loving me so much that you came voluntarily to die for me on the cross. Thank you that you rose from the dead in power. I wanna receive your grace and your forgiveness today. I wanna to begin a, a, a personal and eternal relationship with my creator that the Bible makes so clear that I can have and anyone can have. And so I receive that gift today of eternal life. I receive your gift of eternal salvation in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, God knows your heart, sees your heart. That's awesome. We'd love to celebrate with you. We'd love to help you and to give us the opportunity to do that and get some resources into your hands. You can text the word Jesus to the number that you see on the screen right now. And I wanna, I wanna just also pray briefly for everyone who, who wants to follow after the pattern of uh, what God's word lays out for relationships as we've talked today. And so, Father, I pray that each one of us, that you would, uh, in all of our human relationships, uh, that you would help us to grow in uh, how we display your love and grace. In response to your word today, may we take the steps that you want us to take. In Jesus' name, amen.